It can't just be about you. It can't just be for you. That's a quick way to burn out. But I'm gonna just go ahead and invite uh, Jay Schiffman up to share his story. So let's give it up for Jay. Welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I am your host, Jay Schiffman. Welcome back to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. We're at episode 25. How fucking cool is that? <laughs> We're taking this thing to 100 this week because it's episode 25. And y'all, it's an incredible episode. I am so happy to have both of these incredible women on the show today that I just like editing this episode made me super happy. Maya Bird is the shout out who is like Rockstar doesn't even describe how incredible her work is. Maya. <laughs> so Maya is a freelance writer. She covers a lot of really cool topics, including mental health. But that doesn't begin to approach why Maya is so awesome. Number one, Maya reached out. Y'all hear me talk about this all the time. I, I want you guys to reach out, all of you, every single one of you. I want to hear from you, and I'm going to get to, to more on that in a little bit. But Maya did it, and she's like, she knocked this thing out of the park. So take her as an inspiration. Reach out. It is worth it. You'll hear in a little bit when we get to Maya's shout out how incredible reaching out can be. Not just to me. She talks about this. Reach out, reach out, reach out. Not only that. Maya reached out. We started chatting. Uh, I was just blown away. I was floored by how cool she is. And I was like, yes, I got to get you on this on this podcast. And then I didn't hear from her for like two weeks. And I was like, man, that sucks. <laughs> like, that really sucks because she is awesome. I really want her on this podcast. Like, what did I do to piss her off? And then she reached back out and said, I'm so sorry. I'm still down. Let's make this happen. I just got caught up in a, in a depression period. And we talked a little bit about that. Maya is just an inspiration. Uh, you're going to love her. And her links are in the show notes. Definitely let her know what's up. Hit her up and tell her how much you appreciated her voice. If that wasn't enough, the interview this week is out of this world. It's with a woman that I have known now for a long time, and that is Liz Westendorf. She is a fellow coach. She is doing just incredible work around body. I even hate to call it body positivity. That's not what she calls it. That's the word I'm using because we shouldn't have to have a thing that just is like, be cool with who you are in, in a physical way. But we do. That is the, the reality. And, and Liz talks a lot about why she does this work and, and what brought her to the meaningfulness of this work. So she is incredibly inspiring in that way. But not only that, like I said, she's a fellow coach. And as a person who, who does coaching, I learned a lot from the conversation Liz and I had. I'll be honest with y'all. You know, even though this is a thing I do, even though this is something that people reach out to me and ask me to work with them, 
it's still an imposter syndrome kind of thing. I am still every day trying to get over this, like, who would want to listen to me kind of BS, you know what I mean? I know you probably don't hear that on this podcast because I'm so out front and I'm so, I embrace these topics so much. And I think it's because it's a lot easier to tell my story and to talk about my passion than to actually recommend this to other people in a one-on-one setting. I have no issue up in front of a crowd. I gave a speech last week. It was it was a virtual speech, so definitely not the same thing. But there were 30 people or so on this virtual uh, audience. I don't even want to call it that, but you know what I mean. You, you guys understand. No problems. I wasn't nervous. Zero. I was excited to be there. I've been up in front of crowds of 150, a couple hundred people. No nerves. I mean, sure, a little bit because... That is your body's reaction. And Liz actually talks a little bit about this in this episode. But in terms of the, the, the imposter syndrome nervousness, none at all. I mean, zero, absolutely zero. And yet, when it comes to one-on-one coaching, I still get a little bit of that. And so I really appreciate everything I learned from Liz in this episode. I know y'all are going to as well. Uh, quick plug. <laughs> I know I just told you all about how <laughs> even I'm nervous about my coaching. I'm pretty good at it. Uh, and, and, and there are people who um, I have been so blessed to work with who, who have said that. And so that's what reminds me when I'm feeling like I don't, I don't think I'm good at this is, is reading what they've wrote. Um, I do follow my own advice in that sense of keeping You know, you can call it a truth box, you can call it whatever you want, but basically it's just reminders of things people have said that are positive. So when that little voice in our heads is telling us that we suck, you can read it and and remind yourself that no, you know, there is a difference between uh, very realistic concerns about something and your little voice that likes to tell you you're terrible. So that does help a lot. I, I, I've mentioned that on this podcast before, but if that's a thing that you're interested in, let me know and we can talk about that as well. But if you are looking for tips and tricks, you know, ways to get better at your mental health on an everyday basis, not really the stuff you would work with a therapist on, like I said, or like I do say all the time, I'm not a therapist. I never want to replace your therapist. But what I do for my clients is I am your personal trainer to your therapist being your doctor. You're not going to come to me if your back's hurting. You are going to come to me and we're going to figure out what you're going to lift in the gym today. That's the difference. So if that's something you're interested in, reach out. Find me at my website, jshiftman.com or on social media. All of that is in the show notes. Or or if you're interested in what Liz is, is putting down, Find her. Her links are in the show notes as well. Quick note, she did change her Instagram handle recently. Um, so when she shouts out where to find her, that is no longer current. Uh, I, <laughs> I record these six weeks in advance usually. That kind of stuff happens at times. But it is linked in the show notes and her website is there as well. Reach out, reach out, reach out. Stick around after the interview and everything for this week's Good Egg and the Choose Your Card. And I will catch you at the end of the episode. I think just a lot of people are struggling, not only mentally, like with existing mental health issues, but just like mentally for the first time. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And every year for the past three or four years, 
I kind of post a simple invitation on Facebook and Instagram and like different places. And I go, Hey, if anybody needs to talk, like I'm here. And usually I get like, you know, 12, 15 people call in within the month. And this year there was almost a hundred people who called in and like just needed to vent or rant or share about something. And, um, I love being able to be that safe space. There were a lot of stories of like job losses. There was a lot of stories of like just uh, dealing with either racism or, you know, just the fact that like it's still prevalent in our country. There was um, some happy news that was shared and it was good to like listen to people and just hear what they were going through. Um, but it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. There was a hundred different stories of, of, of pain and uh, each one's unique. And so in June, I like deactivated my social media channels. It was like, I'm going to just like eat good food and read good books and listen to good music and get myself kind of recalibrated. Um, and that was just, it, it was, it's a good thing. I always tell people, I'm like, if you want to be that person who helps and like listens to people you got to take care of yourself as well. And so having like, you know, a start or an end or being that person who's the safe space, make sure that you have safe spaces as well. Do you, do you think that being someone with firsthand knowledge of what it's like to go through issues of mental health has given you more empathy to be that person for, for these people in your life? I think so. I think it's giving me more empathy. It's also given me um, more I would say tools to kind of help people. So one of the questions that I ask people when they spill their heart and they're sharing their issues is I, it's that it's specific question around the, if you need anything, let me help. Or if you need anything, let me know. You know, that's a very, it's a, it's a well-meaning and well-intentioned question and I've used it, but I think sometimes people are like, well, I, I don't know my options. Like, I don't know what I could ask from you. And so one of the specific questions that I ask is, do you need me to problem solve, help you process, or empathize right now? Like, you need somebody to go, okay, here's a five-step plan that could help you, you know, kind of get some of these things in order. Do you need somebody to just give you space and time to just, like, vomit out a bunch of words and feelings? <laughs> uh, do you need somebody to say, like, that sucks. That's a crappy situation that you're in, and I get it. And, you know, knowing what you need helps me give you that and also helps, you know, it's a tool that helps me like, okay, this is, I can actually help you with this. I, I love that. And it's actually, I'm so glad you said that because it's a thing that I'm personally working on right now as a guy who is a coach mm -hmm. and a public speaker and all that. My go-to is immediately to be like, all right, here's how we're going to fix this. Yep. Right. And sometimes that's what people want a lot of times that's not what people want and it's going to make things worse mm -hmm. so uh my my recent thing has been saying to someone would you like me to offer a suggestion you are okay to say no and if they say no being like i completely understand but you have mm -hmm. to check your ego at the door because you know as a person again who does this for a living it'd be really easy to be super hurt like oh they don't want my advice <laughs> yeah. but it's not about me you know yeah. what i mean so i have to remind myself that you know shout out where people can find you where they can follow you and if you don't want them to shout out something that you think people should be checking out or do both okay 
Uh, I'll, I'll do both. I, like I said, I freelance write on medium.com. You can find me by searching for my name, Maya Bird. Um, and you can also follow me on Instagram or Facebook. You can find a lot of my writings. I write about race, mental health, addiction, um, faith, a lot of different things, a lot of the like seedy underbelly topics, but I love writing and talking about them. And, uh, one resource that I would that I've really liked and I, I'd encourage people to check out is called Sound Mind Live, and it is a music app. They do music festivals in New York, but they also do a lot of things around minority mental health. And so they have playlists, they have yoga classes, um, they have a list of therapists by like area, and I love that they also have a list of therapists that's by money. So like, if you need a free therapist, if you need you can pay a little bit, but not like a lot, or if you can pay a lot. Um, and that's super helpful just because I think it's very easy to be like, you should go to therapy, but like you don't know where the therapy is or you don't know how much resources they need from you. Um, so having a list like that is helpful. All right, y'all. Before we get into the interview, I have to give a quick shout out to a podcast sponsor. And that's, oh, wait, that's me. See, I know most of y'all just know me as the Choose Your Struggle guy, the host of this podcast. But here's the thing. I'm also the producer. And while the rest of my work takes care of everything else in my life, you know, I've got the coaching, the writing, all the other stuff that I do with my time, the podcast is not bringing in any of that. So here's the thing. If y'all like this podcast, it would mean a lot to me if you went and signed up for my Patreon because 100% of the proceeds from the Patreon are going to go right back into the show. It's going to help me upgrade the host, upgrade the hardware, all the kind of stuff that'll keep making this show amazing. So check it out today. It's in the show notes. You can also search for it at Choose Your Struggle on Patreon and help me make this show even better. But it's not just a one-way street. You're going to get a bunch of sweet stuff if you sign up as well. So go check it out. Choose Your Struggle on Patreon. And let's keep making this show even better. That's it. Enough of that. Let's get into the interview. My name is Liz Westendorf, and I am a somatic trauma resolution coach and embodiment guide, primarily working with women. Right now, I'm in Dublin, Ireland. Very cool. How long have you been in Dublin? It was a sort of unexpected relocation, but my partner is Irish, my fiance, and it's been about six months now, and we're in the process of like more fully relocating here. Um, We didn't expect to kind of be moving back at this juncture, but here we are. Well, mazel tov on the engagement, and that's very cool. Dublin's awesome. I spent a, a week there in college, which I loved um very cool city i was uh i i i wound up with a a tattoo from temple bar and you know did all the touristy things yeah (laughs) so uh oh gosh yeah so i like to to then go from there and give my guest a chance to sort of just tell their story yeah so definitely this story has personal origins um and so I was going down a, you know, particular, very much type A track, uh, 
I was working in my career of choice in you know, marketing, advertising in New York City. Um, and like originally I had gotten into that field because I've always been fascinated with the way we carve out meaning in our lives and like this thread of, of story and meaning making and just like how, how humans create culture, how we work. And I always had an issue with like advertising and, you know, what I thought were manipulative strategies, but I was like, I'm going to change the system from the inside out, you know, like every ripe 22 year old college grad. Um, and like, you know, then just kind of fell prey to the pressures of the system and um, found that I was just like, okay, I had all the external markers of success, but just felt really empty and started having health complications um, and like along the way on my journey on my drive to get what I thought was you know a fulfilling life a successful life and career I had really neglected myself and my body along the way I developed an eating disorder in college that was with me for so long and in some ways like still is because an eating disorder is it's it's like an addiction but you can't remove that substance from your life you're always going to have food <laughs> and a relationship with food so i mean in some ways it's still something that i have like i have to maintain a, a positive healthy relationship with it um so even into into my years in new york I was still sort of working with that and just feeling so, so disconnected from my body, from myself, from my, my sovereignty, my power. And it was like the, the, the cues I was getting from my own health scares as like somebody in my mid twenties who was developing migraines and vertigo and just like, not not living a healthy lifestyle um I was like okay something has to give you know this is this is not I don't want to continue this way and there's so many things that used to spark joy for me and I used to really embody that and I just didn't feel that and so I sort of revived my passion for health and wholeness in like in small steps and I started taking workshops and reading books and um and then eventually went into a health coaching certification and studied different energy healing modalities did the yoga teacher training thing you know and then it was really it was in my coaching training program and my um, yoga teacher training, it was like, am I allowed to curse on this? <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just like fucked my whole life up. I was like, cause I really had to look at myself and my habits and my patterns. And like, I had to drop back into this space that I had tried to vacate and I had to start feeling so many of the, of the things that I had been trying to numb and I had to face so many of the things I had been trying to run from. Um, and so I was preparing for the career transition for a few years. And then it's been about four years since I left my career in advertising to 
work more full time in in the wellness space um, and the embodiment space. And then, then, you know, it was like phase two of the journey. Okay. Like leave my life and my career behind and leave New York. And then this is where the patterns are deep and the grooves are deep. And this is why I found somatic work so impactful along the way. So then I was just sort of like channeling a lot of the, ways of moving through the world that I had done in a certain confine and context of like, you know, the, the career had been into like a new, a new arena. And that was like, okay, being really intense about my wellness, about my spirituality, about my yoga and like running in a whole different way and running by traveling and going to, you know, do immersions and studies and, but like still not quite dropping in. And like, it was really just slowly peeling back the layers and like establishing a sense of safety in myself and in my environment and in my body uh, that allowed me to finally go there and go to those places and stop running. Where like originally I was doing more like nutrition health coaching stuff, but it was like, it was never about like the food. It was about so much more and the entire context all the different ways that we feed and nourish ourselves you know underneath that i was looking at the socio-political conditioning especially for women and you know in the context of capitalism in the context of patriarchy in the context of the western world um, and looking at those narratives and really unpacking those narratives and how we internalize them uh, personally and collectively so in, in a lot of ways, my work is like, so has inevitably a socio-political lens, um, and which I think like grounds some of the more like spiritual or sometimes esoteric and sometimes energetic work that we do because it, it's, it can't go anywhere if it's just, if we're just stopping at ourselves, you know, if we're, if we're you know, trying to ascend and trying to reach nirvana or whatever it is. And we're not grounding it in the day to day or in our immediate communities in our families or, you know, in our churches or whatever. So how much, how much of that do you think is be, is because of the way we are taught from a young age? And I say that in the context of that's how you and I know each other. We went yeah. to, for all of our listeners, Liz and I went to middle school and high school together uh, at one of, if not the best private school in Cincinnati, Ohio, that taught you from day one you got there how to ace your test, how to get a great job when you graduated the college that you just flew through and did amazingly well at, and how to be a future titan of industry. But there wasn't a lot of, there was no focus on how to be a happy person when you when you left that. So how much of that do you think led, how much of what you were struggling with in your twenties was because that was the path you were put on mm. by being in that the, the, the school that you and I went to? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was definitely like a privilege and a choice for me to be going to that school. And like, I was, it was reinforced at home, like pretty regularly because I was on a scholarship that like, you know, I, I kind of needed to earn my keep. And it was the same in college with scholarships. Like I was working really hard and I knew, like I didn't, I was also like, oh, I don't belong here too. And, you know, there's like this idea of have and have not. And so much of like the, um, 
like Protestant work ethic sort of like, which was instilled like in my home life as well. So in so many ways it was, it started even before, you know, before the schoolyard. Um, and, but it was so much, it just, yeah, dictated so, so much for me. And yeah, it's just like what the rubric for success was. Um, I mean, I think we were definitely given a lot of freedom and encouraged to be ourselves in a lot of ways that I think maybe not necessarily, didn't necessarily happen in other, other schools, but it was definitely like a school of high achievers. <laughs> and same with the program I was in in college. Um, and that was just how I liked to roll, I guess, or how I thought I should be rolling. Yeah, I mean, the high achievers part, for sure. I was in, in you know, my grade, I was the third lowest GPA or whatever, but I still got into one of the best schools in Ohio because they add like half a GPA point to your GPA score from going to Seven Hills. They're like, oh, well, that doesn't, you know, it doesn't really translate, right? So yeah. uh, where, where we went to school was very much a, you know, uh, a high achievers uh, ac academic setting. Um, but what I love about your presence is that, and I see this a lot for people who, because like, like myself, someone who overcame something and now they embrace it. So your sort of the, the, the buzzword is body positivity comes out in spades in your social media. Like that is what you exude. How much of that is because that was a thing that you struggled with. And now you're like, no, I'm bracing this on my terms. Oh my gosh. It's so, so much, so much. And, and there's like another uh, side of that too, where I had to reconcile like it not being just about me and for me, which I think like a lot of entrepreneurs or people start trying to start things or like where it's, it's inevitably personal, mm -hmm. but it can't just be about you. It can't just be for you. That's a quick way to burn out. Um, and a quick way to short circuit, you know, it, the, the context has to be for the greater and for something outside of yourself. And that, like, you know, it's funny in so many ways, like, and I see this a lot with, you know, where there's sort of like when people's brand is themselves or their lifestyle. And I have always just like shirked at some of those things and, and the performativity of healing where, it's like almost like you're expected to process in a public forum. And in some ways that's like reinforcing scripts that we have and stories that we have and like reenacting traumas sometimes. And like, I had to check myself so many times along the way. And I didn't, I didn't even have like the, the language around it until I, you know, I just kept going and kept learning and kept studying and, I just knew it was like, okay, here's another layer. Okay. Like this, this isn't quite resonating. Like I, you know, and that's where the embodiment piece comes in. Like your body knows and it knows when it's just a concept in your mind versus when it's something in your felt sense, whether it's something that your whole system is absorbing and inhabiting. So yes, it was, is, it remains personal, but it also like, I, it's not just about me and for me, it's in any way. So a lot of what you do on social media is, is movement oriented, which I think is really cool because 
we, uh, so I talk about self-care a lot on this. And uh, in fact, the guy I interviewed yesterday is a long distance runner. You are also movement oriented like he is, but you're not out there and you may work out like a fiend. I don't know, but you are advocating dance on your social media, which I think is so cool. Where did that, how did that start? Where did that come from? Why, why did you start to embody that as your thing to, to advocate this dance movement of, of, of sort of release? Are you say you don't remember me at the middle school dances? Come on. No. <laughs> um, well, like I've always loved to move and love to dance. And, and like, I, I was never, I didn't have a lot of formal training. I just liked to move. And it was, and actually in some ways I like defied training. Cause I was like, no, but my body wants to do this. Why are you telling me to do that? And and but then like you know it's just as you get the narratives in your head like oh i'm not a dancer oh i'm not a creative oh i'm not an artist or you know the things that people tell you or you have experiences that make you think that you're not and somewhere along the way along the the disembodiment journey um i i just like that i you know as i was kind of exiting my body i just i didn't I didn't dance as much. Um, and it was like, I think it was like senior year of college when I was having like a bit of a, a bit of a breakdown and finishing my thesis and like in the throes of it with eating disorder and like finally getting treatment. Um, and I used to just close my door in the house I was in, in the room I was renting. And I just would turn on music and intuitively start to move and it became like not just like dancing but like a moving meditation um and that was just like a space that i would inhabit um just kind of bring me back back to myself back to my the moment back to the room and and then of course you know i forgot about that <laughs> i was in new york and i was on the grind and i was you know it's such a masculine city it's such a go do and I was in my, I was working full time. I was coaching a few clients. I was finishing up uh, coaching school and I was doing yoga training. And these were all like supposed to be focused on the body, except for my career in advertising. And I was like, oh my God, I feel actually like so, so out of myself. So in disconnection. And I was like othering myself and my body and like poking and analyzing and studying. But, and I was like, oh, when did I stop? when did I stop like enjoying being in this? And when did I stop moving? When did I stop dancing? So I did a little challenge and I called it daily dance December. And I was like, I'm going to dance for one song every day. And then people were like, well, we want video evidence. And I was like, <laughs> what? And I was like, Oh my God, that is so uncomfortable for me. Okay. Best. I guess I better do it. This is accountability. So I would, I would post a little video of me dancing every day. Um, and it was just like, it was that in and of itself was such a journey watching, watching yourself dance. And then like, then like knowing you're being watched or you're going to be watched and like what, how that kicks in. But that sort of that journey, like reignited my passion for, for movement, for dance. And I started to go to things like five rhythms where it's like conscious dance and you're moving. It is more of like a, um, an emphasis on a moving meditation and sort of studying on a deeper level things that I think my body knew and I innately knew. Um, 
but it's just such a way to drop out of our heads um, and kind of go through, like I, when I facilitate dance journeys, <laughs> it's like an emotional journey through the physical body. Um, and it's, it's like movement as metaphor, movement as meditation. And it's great. Like you just, nobody cares what you look like. You just, you show up and you move and like staying present with what comes up is, can be really uncomfortable, but it's also just, it's so freeing. Um, so amazing. So. So I want to talk about that, that idea of uncomfortable, but before we continue, I want to pause and give all my listeners a chance to, to find you. So shout out where they can follow you and I'll also put links in the show notes. Yeah. So my name is Liz Westendorf and currently I'm on Instagram as body prayer. That's body underscore prayer, or you can search my name Liz Westendorf. And then it's bodyprayer.me is the URL. Are you ready to take your hemp experience to a whole new level? Because if so, I want to tell you about my sponsor, Mountain Made. Their puff line of smokable flour is unreal. They meticulously source each strain from select partner farms to ensure only the highest quality product in the marketplace. When it comes to the entourage effect, nothing tops strain-specific flour. It delivers the full range of all the amazing effects of CBD. I can tell you because I use it myself. With 0.7 grams of premium full flour inside of each pre-roll, you'll be ready to maximize your personal summit whenever you smoke. So check out Mountain Made today and grab a puff. They're federally compliant with less than 0.3% THC, which means they ship nationwide. All right, I'm going to grab a puff and let's get back to the episode. So why do you think it is, and this is a, this is a topic that is obviously now on everyone's lips because of topics or conversations around race. Why are we so afraid of being uncomfortable? You know, mm. like you just mentioned it in your dance that, and, and, and this is something that I also speak about that when it comes to telling our stories and being mindful, the first thing you have to do is turn off your own switch that, that keeps you from being uncomfortable and keeps you from doing a lot of things. Mm -hmm. This is something we, we are obviously teaching everybody to do now when talking about race, but why is this such a big deal for us? Right. So our bodies and our systems are always trying to orient towards health and wholeness. And any perceived threat of that we can register differently or threat to that I should say and that depends on our backgrounds on our level of resilience for some people something that disrupts them could be perceived as life-threatening in some ways and like a low level of of, tra of trauma which is basically the body's physical physiological response to a life-threatening or perceived life-threatening it doesn't mm -hmm. matter if it is or it isn't it's it's how your body receives it. it that doesn't fully sequence out of the body and like in somatics we say like traumas in the nervous system not in the event so it's like a stressful event that over can overwhelm people's coping mechanisms so this idea of like why are people so uncomfortable so, so like, why are they squeamish around being uncomfortable? It's, it has to do with our coping mechanisms and disrupting those 
and I mean, but there's so much in that edge of, of discomfort. And I, and like, and when I work with people too, I like to caution them of like understanding what is a growth edge or what is like a hard, no, this is not a safe space for me to be in, or I need support to go here, which is like for some people in the racial unrest right now. And in the conversation, I was hosting a conversation yesterday, um, to help people orient into their nervous systems and kind of recognize some of the things that might be getting kicked up for them so that they were responding not from a place of reactivity or the reptilian brain, but they could be more cognitively online and engaged and start to disrupt that response. And sometimes we need support for that. And sometimes we need other people in the room for that, or we need education. And I think so much of it too has to do with like our conditioning to like there's, we have like the social nervous system too, where we're scanning to figure out like, okay, are these my people? Okay. Am I safe here? Is this, is this going to be an okay environment or space? So we're orienting to our environment always. And so sometimes we're going to try and blend in, you know, sometimes that's the safe way in, or sometimes you know, we, we are perceiving a threat, so we're going to fight, or sometimes we're going to flee, or sometimes we're going to freeze, but and it's all about, like, the level of safety that we're feeling, so our ability to approach being uncomfortable, like, there, it's, we can be so much better resource to enter that space by, like, recognizing the level of safety we have in our system, or don't have, and figuring out how to nurture that. Yeah, I, I really love what you said about recognizing the line between uh, a, a growth opportunity and an actual threat, because so often we are so quick to, to bump up against that first you know, uh, line, which is the growth opportunity, and think, oh, this is my wall, this is, I'm not going beyond this, instead of allowing yourself to start tiptoeing towards it and, and going over it. And that's why someone who can coach so effectively is so important in that relationship to help hold the person's hand and say, no, 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 you can get past this. And we're going to do that together. And, and I think this is a great transition to talking about you, you referenced earlier on, you know, some of the work you do, but give my listeners sort of a broad um, uh, overview of, of the work that you are doing with your clients. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it has to do with just like talking about the nervous system, <laughs> but it's, it is really much, really very much about recognizing or reestablishing a relationship with your body and your bodily knowing and your sense of sovereignty and sovereignty in the self and sovereignty in the context of the social system that you live in and the political system that you live in and the society you live in, Western, Eastern, wherever you are. And so there's a, a few different like interventions or ways in that we go, but we're really like taking apart the stories that we've internalized and the ones that we're perpetuating, the personal stories, the collective stories, but it's the somatic lens is that we're working with your nervous system and we're working with your mind body. Um, and so sometimes that involves movement and sometimes that involves ritual 
for people like embodied ritual and clearing or like actually writing and actually writing, rewriting, writing new stories, creating new grooves. But it's all about, you know, finding these different muscles you have and, and flexing them over and over and over and creating the new patterns, creating the new habits, creating the new grooves and rewiring your nervous system. So it's going beyond just like the, the affirmations to the, the point where it's like felt and embodied because that's how it's going to be sustainable. So I love that you touched on sort of getting to the root cause of some of the stories that we tell ourselves and rewriting those because that's such an important piece that and we see this all the time. And if, if you are a person alive, this is a thing that you need to work on that we don't even realize, I believe, at times just how much we are holding ourselves back by living some of those things that we have just decided are true without challenging them. And, and again, to come back to this topic of race that we're seeing on a national scale, international scale right now, a lot of those, when you start to poke at them, you realize that they're built on nothing, but people are so ingrained in these beliefs and can be really defensive and, and not receptive at all to the idea of trying to challenge them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this like illusory cloak of safety because it's in the cultural narrative. And, and like that, I mean, that has to do with like one of the, one of those nervous system responses I was talking to, like the fitting in, sort of camouflaging yourself with your environment. Um, or like the fawning is another one where it's you're like being, being nice, appeasing, acquiescing, showing that you're good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so disrupting those is, is uncomfortable sometimes or you're like but then it's like it's funny when you're when you speak up sometimes you're like i oh i take issue with this and and you think you're going to be the only one and other people are like oh oh thank god you said that i do too you know and then you're like oh i'm i'm not alone and it just takes like you know it's one grain of sand to tip the scale that's so true. Um, so my wife and I are going through that right now. We live in Charleston, South Carolina for the last year near her family. Um, and we're already planning our exit mostly because the ingrained Southern niceties around racism are so strong around here that I wouldn't say we've become exiles because no one cares enough for us to be exiles, but we have 100% had bridges burned over the last couple of weeks because we've challenged people to say, hey, I'm not, we're not okay with what you're saying and what you're doing. And their responses have been to sort of cut it off. But on, on, a, on a farther back scale, when I first started telling my story about being in recovery, you know, I'm now 10 years in recovery and I started speaking out five years into that. Uh, two people from my graduating class at Seven Hills who were in Mrs. Koo's math class with me reached out independently to say, my story is almost exactly the same to yours. We were all in the same class and we went through very similar struggles with prescription pills and all this kind of stuff. And none of us knew it because we weren't talking about it back then. But now we are all kind of like, wow, that's amazing that that we were, we were sitting two feet away from each other and no idea that we were going through this. 
Um, and it's, it's, you know, exactly what you said. It's that fear of speaking up and being alone when in reality, if I had said something back then, who knows what different path it would have gone on. Yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, it takes courage to, to speak your truth, speak your story, to be seen, to be witnessed, you know? Yeah, it does. And I, I like to say whenever I speak that I can't wait for the day that someone will tell me that they are, they I'm courageous for getting through what I went through and not for telling the story. That to mm -hmm. me is a very big distinction. And so the, the story I always tell is my, my aunt is currently going through chemo and people tell her how all the time she's brave for going through that. But then when I tell my story, they're like, oh, you're so brave for speaking up. And it's like, but, but why is that different? You know, I can't mm -hmm. wait to get to a time where the response is the exact same, which is, oh, you're so brave or, or props to you for making it through and not just props to you for, for speaking up about it. Right. So, Right. So I always like to ask the same couple of questions as we start to wrap up. Number one, um, we already, you already talked a little bit about your self-care, but spend some time talking about your self-care habits and, and what you think is, is effective. And then number two, tell my listeners uh, some people uh, that you think we should be following, we should be reading, listening to, uh, whatever the case is. Sure. Uh, okay. So my self-care unsurprisingly involves a bit of movement <laughs> every day. Um, and today I actually did do, I used to have a daily dance practice. I guess I still do like a little bit every day inevitably, but like a more committed where I was like designating time to just move freely. And it's like, and I've had to kind of reestablish my relationship with, with movement in a way that wasn't oppressive because I was, you know, trained as an athlete as well. And like, I really I have to check myself when I'm like, am I doing this out of a place of like respect and nurturance or out of like forcing? And so my movement looks different every day. And sometimes I go for like what I call like spirit runs where I'm just like, sometimes I'm like leaping and skipping in fields <laughs> or on sidewalks. Like that's fine. There's definitely people in Ireland who have seen me skipping. Um, that sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. You should try. I mean, I, I highly recommend to anybody who's listening to this skip also pro tip, get yourself a mini trampoline. <laughs> it is like impossible to be upset when you're jumping on a trampoline. <laughs> it's also so good when you're, when you're stuck for ideas or you're just like mentally foggy, just start jumping on the trampoline. That's a great tip. Yeah. Not, not great if you have downstairs roommates, but, but a wonderful no. tip. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely had to check myself uh, a few times when, when my last apartment, I was like, okay, I saw him leave. I saw his car go out. It's time to jump. <laughs> put on some crisscross jump jump nice yeah. nice yeah. reference yeah uh and then who are, who are some people that we should all be following that, that are inspiring to you mm, okay there's a few um well right now kimberly ann johnson does a lot of amazing work for women educating them around nervous system um she talks a lot about birth trauma and postpartum trauma and she does i really appreciate her as well because there's a lot of equity in her work and inclusion in her work and she i mean really i gravitate towards people who are who are grounded in what's going on um 
in, in the current times in the socio-political sphere, and they're not just talking kind of in a vacuum. Um, decolonizing therapy is um, an account on Instagram that is really refreshing and she keeps it real. She's this psychologist from Jersey um, who is an activist as well, and she's, she's been a great resource. Um, and oh what is his name tata i think it's hazomi i'm not sure i'm pronouncing this correctly but he um is sort of pioneering the cultural somatics field and he has a ritual justice podcast and um school and there's videos on youtube but he i mean he talks about a lot about white privilege and white body supremacy but from a body-based lens, and he talks, I mean, he talks about a lot of marginalized groups as well. He's, um, he's Canadian, but he has Asian heritage, and um, I'm not sure if he uses, he, I think he uses he, he, him pronouns, but he also talks a lot about um, gender identity and gender politics as well. So he's like provides a very inclusive space and lens for um, further conversation around embodiment that's inclusive for everybody. Beautifully put. One more time, tell us where to find you and we'll close out with that. Sure. So Liz Westendorf and it's bodyprayer.me or body underscore prayer. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast and then thought, oh, man, I just, I don't even know where to begin? Well, I have the perfect answer for you. It's Anchor. They have all the tools you need to get started right away, all in one spot. You can do it from your phone or your computer. They'll even distribute for you, so you don't have to go looking for places to get your podcast out. But the best part is it's all free. That's right. You can sign up today without any hassle at all. You can even start making money right from the beginning. It's everything you need in a podcast in one place. So check it out today. Go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. All right, we've come to the end of another episode. How awesome was that? Look, there hasn't been an episode yet where I finished and have gone, eh, you know, that just wasn't that great. That being said, there are some episodes where I finish and go, I can't believe I get to do this. And this was definitely one of them. Maya and Liz were both just so incredible. As I said early on, I learned something from both of them, you know, and, and, and if I learned something from both of them and, and I do this for a living, I really hope that all of you are sitting there going, wow, I learned so much. Now, whether you're, you're actively listening or you're in the car or, or doing work or whatever, you know, obviously changes how much you pick up, but I do believe that everybody <laughs> hopefully walked away from that learning something. Couple things before we get to the choose your card and the good egg. As you heard me say early on this episode, there is a new Patreon for this podcast. 
I'm not going to shout this out every week. Don't worry. I'm not going to become one of those guys that is going to spend, you know, a lot of time harping on this. I'll probably mention it. That's, you know, the point, right? But it is a thing that will do a lot to help this podcast if people support it. So please go check it out. Choose your struggle on Patreon. Also check the show notes. If you go to my links, you know, the whole drop down, everything you see, it's on there. There is a special on there right now, too, and that is that the next 10 people who sign up, by the way, mentioned that I said the next, I already have a supporter, big shout out to Spark Tabor. The next 10 people are all going to get a personalized, painted, yes, you heard that right, painted card sent to them in the mail. With everything else, too, not, not in place of anything, just with everything else, you're going to get that. So check that out. Reach out, as I always say, reach out to me, reach out to Liz, reach out to Maya. We're all people who do this work and are waiting to hear from you. So please reach out. All of the links are in the show notes. Without further ado, I think we're ready to choose a card. As always, this section is brought to you by Blurt. They don't pay me to say this. I just do it because they're awesome and I love their work. This week's card is coming from the Nuggets O Kindness card pack. The Nuggets O Kindness card pack. I chose this because the O in Nuggets O Kindness makes me think of the Irish and <laughs> uh, Liz lives in Ireland. That might be a stupid stereotype. It probably, I mean, it is a stupid stereotype. It might be like an, like an offensive one, I honestly don't know. And if someone is Irish and is like, we hate that, please tell me. I want to learn that. I'm just telling you, that's why I chose this. So, Nuggets O Kindness card pack this week. All right. Embrace your round pegness. There's nobody on the planet quite like you, and that's a superpower and a half. I love that they called it your round pegness. That is, that is wonderful. You are not one in a million. You're not even one in a billion because that would mean that there are, what, seven, eight people just like you? Nope. You are more than that. So <laughs> embrace your uniqueness, your round pegness, as they said. That's your card for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Your good egg is simple. You ready for this? I think you all can do it. In fact, let me rephrase that. I know you all can do it. Wear a fucking mask. <laughs> it's that simple. Wear a mask. My wife and I found out that we had been exposed uh, recently. My good friend and his girlfriend found out that they had been exposed. And here's the thing. We are all people who are being super, like, my wife and I aren't leaving the house right now except to go to the grocery store and get, like, food. Like, that's it. Food. But... Just wear a mask. It's just that simple. Even our president is now doing it. And I can't believe that that's the low bar, but it is. Wear a mask. That's your good egg. Show others that you care about them. Oh, and by the way, I swear to God, if I see you <laughs> with your mask on and your nose out, oh, man, <laughs> wear a mask. Show your empathy. Show your vulnerability. Spread your love and choose your struggle. <laughs>